everybody. It is a solo pod today that was determined by you as the sweets. So here's what's going on. It's just me. TC is out and about. Becky is actually on a conference right now. So I figured, you know what? I'm going to hold it down. I'm going to give us a nice little pod today, and we've got a double review. Now, one of these reviews I was not totally planning on doing. Kyle, I should maybe kind of say both of them, to be honest. I threw up the poll about the Taylor Swift Eras Tour review. Um, I was going to see it anyway, but I just wanted to see the general consensus, and I think it was like 92% of people said that I needed to go see it, which I was already planning on going to see it anyways. So I'll give a little bit of, of my thoughts on the Taylor Swift The Eras Tour concert film. And me and Becky watched probably the gnarliest horror movie of the year called When Evil Lurks. So I'm going to talk about When Evil Lurks first, and then I'm going to chat about the Eras Tour and rank the different segments and talk about, I don't know, uh, my my thoughts. on. I'm not a Taylor Swift fan, but I figured, well, uh, you know, I can't judge a book by its cover. Let's go see what it was like. So without any further ado... As you already know, it is your boy, the Sweet Keeks. We are here holding it down. And the week has been a good week. I went and saw TC, kind of went through, saw the new office. As many of y'all may or may not know, me and him work like two minutes away from each other. We actually work in the same school district. He works at the Technical Academy just south of Copper Hills High School where I work. So we both work in CTE, which is very cute because my mom also worked in CTE, still does. She teaches foods. Um, CTE stands for Career and Technological Education. Um, Actually, I'm pretty sure that's what it stands for. And then my sister worked in it, and my other sister started to kind of major in it. But she's majoring in film now. So CTE is a family affair, and TC is basically family at this point. So it was a cool little tour to go see his spot. We got some lunch, got some Jersey Mike's. Club sub, everyone. If you don't, if you're not already doing the club sub, got to do the club sub. It's the best sandwich at Jersey Mike's. And we were just chatting, chatted some movies, chatted about life. Um, next week will be probably an interesting way. I don't know how we're going to do it. Um, we're going to give you all an extra break to be able to catch up on Killers of the Flower Moon before we review it. And I'm going to be at Disneyland with a bunch of my film buddies. Uh, It's our buddy Jake's first time ever going to Disneyland. So we're going to Disneyland for three days. Uh, We're going to do Disneyland the first day, California Adventure the second day, then Disneyland the third day, so Saturday, Sunday, Monday of next week. And I was able to stumble upon freaking um, Disneyland and Disney World do these Halloween kind of themed late night parties where they close the park down and all those that have these extra tickets get to come in and enjoy the party. So that is, uh, I stumbled upon two tickets. And so me and Becky next Sunday are going to what is called, um, Oogie Boogie's Bash. And it's at California Adventure in California. Uh, (laughs) I don't know why I had to like specify that. I guess my brain kind of broke. Um, but yeah, very excited. It's going to be a good little time. And as we move into that, I want to give a little bit of an update on my spooky hollow wheel. All right. Because this week 
honestly, we watched some bangers. It was mainly bangers this week. Even kind of like the lower end of the bangers was still a banger. Um, we watched Killers, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. We watched Chopping Mall. We watched We Need to Talk About Kevin. We watched When Evil Lurks. And we watched They Live. And if I remember right... Oh, yeah, we also watched Exorcist Believer. Um, here's my long story short about Exorcist Believer. Uh, if you've seen The Exorcist and you like that movie, you will probably not like this movie. It's dull. It does nothing to the original content material. And it is a huge misfire for these kind of... Um, legacy sequel this legacy sequel trend that we have which is funny because they just got uh, universal just got done with the whole halloween revival thing and miramax just bought the rights to have the rights to halloween so we might get new halloween movies that just happened this week so they might just say all right everything that universal did we don't care about it uh let's Go forward with a new direction. Now, if I am the president of Miramax, if I'm Kevin Miramax, and I'm in the writer's room, and I'm like, all right, well, what should we do? What should we do with these Halloween movies? This is what I think you should do. Michael Myers is fun, and I was watching this segment where John Carpenter was talking about his foray into Season of the Witch, and how he's like, I really love Season of the Witch, but it seems like... Maybe people just wanted Michael Myers. And if it's me, I would really love them to try, I don't know, to do the anthology thing again. Season of the Witch is Halloween 3, and it's kind of the weird one of the bunch because it's not Hall- it's not Michael Myers related. John Carpenter thought, well, let's go do something different. And people didn't really see it. They didn't really react to it. But it's now kind of gathered a cult following so I'm curious to see if they're gonna try to do a TV show thing like people have been doing with the Chucky show um with a lot of these you can bring him back or you can do whatever you want or maybe his essence gets transported somewhere else I would not be surprised if they try to go back in time to like a young Laurie Strode and recast and uh try to do something from like the 70s again I think that could be interesting but all in all Whatever they do with it, I'm going to go see it anyways. So, uh, that's what it is. Much like this new Exorcist movie, it's projected to ev- It's projected to have a sequel, like a trilogy. And the next one is called Exorcist Deceiver. And I don't know. Uh, they pay um, Universal and Blumhouse paid four hundred million dollars for the rights for these movies, and I, I just can't imagine these are uh, moving the needle for anyone because the original Exorcist movie is so great because it focuses on those characters and the struggles they have with that religious belief and what's going on in that home. Whereas this one, it was just kind of everyone falls into place and Leslie Autumn Jr. is a good presence, but no one else really is. So we'll see how that that goes. Now, um, so far, the best movie I've seen on the Halloween of these 14 movies because we're gonna watch 15 tonight oh i guess i'm ahead of schedule when evil lurks so which means uh for monday we're gonna be watching inferno but tonight up until now they live as my fate it's what i think is the best of them it's a john carpenter film um it's from the late 80s he says it's a response to reaganomics and it's a very interesting approach to that um i'm not a 
politician, so I don't really know what that means, but I get like the very surface level of it, and I thought it was a lot of fun. But what I want to talk about very, very quickly, and maybe not super quickly, maybe also quickly, is a film out of Argentina that just came out this year from uh, Demian Rugna called When Evil Lurks. And for me, it feels like an updated version of Night of the Living Dead uh, meets, to a degree, It Follows. Um, there's a really awesome... There's some really awesome practical effects going on in this film. Um, some really intense scares that they don't shy away from it. Um, there's a scene involving a dog that you know something is going on, but maybe not exactly what is going to happen. And when that what happens, it's it's nuts. Um, the story is about two brothers who stumble upon what is referred to as a rotten and what a rotten is referred to in this village is when someone is possessed by the devil, um, the devil like rots the corpse of the person, and then when they die, the devil is able to be born. So um, they're try them together with the neighbors in the village determine how to get rid of this rotten. And the visuals in this are pretty insane. Becky was having to close her eyes. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of liquids involved, and those liquids are not very pleasant, but. I think the way that the visuals are portrayed and the way that the the horror is presented is in a very methodical way. There's I don't I can't think of a single jump scare in this movie. Um and that's not to say, you know, I'm not saying I'm not coming on here to say that the United States all we do is jump scares in our horror films. That's all we do because there's plenty of incredible horror films that have come from the United States in the last few years. Um, nope was like the best movie of last year, and it was, I think you could consider it partly horror. That's a lot of different genres, but what I love about horror in different countries is to see the way that they portray that horror, and in this one, the horror is just like, it's in the camera, it's framed so the audience can see it, and there is no denying what you're watching and that goes along with kind of the whole messaging of the film is you know it talks about these brothers are kind of dubious on what they saw or if what they think they actually saw was a possessed person and um it goes along with i guess belief to a degree um intentions and family and you know, are we doing things for our families because we love them or because we want to be perceived as good people? Um, and where does that line cross and where are those lines blurred? But When Evil Lurks is an excellent horror film. It was playing around 15 minutes from our house, so not too far, and really only had like a late night showing. So if y'all can catch it while it's in theaters, I really do think it's worth your time. Um, it is coming to Shudder. Shudder has like picked it up for distribution. So... If you have Shudder, you'll be able to watch it, I believe, at the end of this month. I'd have to double-check. But When Evil Lurks, really excellent movie. There are some issues that I have with the um, consistencies of the script and the actions of the characters. The script is saying one thing, and then the very next scene, the character is doing the opposite. Which you could perceive as being intentional, but in many instances, it, it didn't feel like that um especially the scene right before the dog incident um but it's a brutal film and if you like horror you've got to watch it uh when evil lurks is absolutely absolutely worth your time 
Um, so the the Halloween right now, is it as it currently stands, from worst to best, is Hell House Three, The Meg Two, The Trench, Lake Placid, Prom Night, Ma. Oh, Prom Night. That was another one I watched this week. Ooh, boring. Um, the Curse of Crom, The Exorcist Believer, which now that I'm looking at it, that one's going to go under Curse of Crom. I had more fun watching Curse of Crom. Um, Maniac Cop at number seven, Chopping Mall at number six, and then our top five, we've got Killer Clowns from Outer Space, Freaky, We Need to Talk About Kevin, When Evil Lurks, and They Live. Um, and then on Monday, we've got, uh, oh my gosh, what is it called? Um, Inferno from Dario Argento. So I'm very excited to watch that. Now, as we lead into kind of our main segment, which is the Taylor Swift Eras Tour, it's been very interesting to witness, yeah, I don't I don't know if I want to say Taylor Swift over the last five years, but she's been making music for what people have referred to as 17 years, if that sounds right, and, you know, I, w- I have always been in more of a camp of a... Uh, of Kanye West. I feel like I, I often picked that side because I liked his music more. And, um, that was the side that I picked. And looking back now, it's, it's kind of frustrating to see that I was so willing to like, just totally take someone off of the board because some dude who makes a lot of money and makes music doesn't like them. Um, it's weird to put your alliances in that in that sense. So I've not really listened to a lot of Taylor Swift. Uh, I think, obviously, like, I'm sure uh, up until this point, it's like talented artist, um, writes their own s- songs, makes their music, releases albums that people really, really like to see or really, really like to listen to. And I would say probably when I stopped listening, it was like her country stuff, so like Fearless or Speak Now or whatever you'd refer it to. So fast forward like 15 years to me now, you know, as an adult that can make decisions for myself better and uh, not a teenager or a young adult with a developing prefrontal cortex, I've I've reached some conclusions. And, I, you know, I, I went into this with an open mind willing to like give all of this a chance and kind of these are my thoughts um the the whole tour thing was crazy to see people trying to get tickets I had students that were telling me they got tickets I had students that said their parents were online for hours to get tickets so it was an interesting thing to see kind of the I would put it like the shame that was thrown at people um, for getting tickets or for, you know, um, being able to enter and get them. Like, as if you can't be excited for someone to go see one of their favorite artists. Um, and a lot of people saying, well, I am a real fan and and I should have gotten those tickets. And to me, that sounds like maybe you should have prepared well or better or you've got this movie out right now which is something that I really want to touch on as I talk about the concert because I went in and it's three hours long so I've watched Oppenheimer four times this year I have no issue with very long movies um with this being Taylor Swift's performance at SoFi Stadium I was like okay three hours shouldn't be too bad I'm not gonna lie if you have no allegiances to Taylor Swift and you're just going in this to see this as a film You've got to kind of get into the music aspect 
and it might not totally be your speed. And the reason I say that is because I'm kind of sitting there for 70% of these songs. Like, I don't really know what this is. Um, I'm more of a Beyonce guy, so when I go see Beyonce, I know all her music. I'm screaming and having a blast, which I bet most of the Swifties that watched this were doing, which is awesome. Um, But I would say, first off, if you're not a massive Taylor Swift fan, this could feel like a bit of a slog for you. Um, I think that it's a really interesting foray into, you know, like filmmaking and converting the live experience in onto your screen you know to a degree I think that's what movies were created for is uh yeah I have I have no basis for this but if I'm thinking you know back in the day going to the theater might have been expensive so well let's go film it let's go film an adaptation and put it into movie theaters and people can go pay to watch it and you can experience the musical maybe without being there live but still get that sense of wonder and almost as if you were there on the front row and that is you know based on my zero research I've done for this just on a hunch that's how I felt watching this is I did not need to be at that concert to feel the impact that the music was having on her and on the crowd. You see as she performs, she's engaging with people, you get the occasional glimpse at the fan, uh, and it feels really engaging. The sound and the visuals, I can only imagine that the crew involved in filming this and the sound needed to make sure that this was mastered and mixed at the right level would have just been insane. Um... Because it sounds great and it looks great. And you know that there was a great crew behind making sure that it all worked well. Um, When I think about concert movies, very often I think a lot of us go to uh, Stop Making Sense for kind of an older example. Maybe The Last Waltz. And then if we're going to newer examples, it's Beyonce's Homecoming. Which Beyonce's Homecoming and Stop Making Sense for me are kind of the pinnacle of concert films. Because they do feel slightly more like films and a bit more performative. I would say Homecoming from Beyonce is a bit more on the documentary side where you get to really see the effort put in and the behind the scenes and it gives you a bit more of a story behind the performance. Whereas Stop Making Sense almost feels like it was designed to be theatrical. Uh, The Eras Tour, this was just, okay, let's go film this version of the tour that we've had and that's what the movie is going to be. So the editing is tight. Um, you know, you get all the coverage of those different films and essentially all their do- uh, those different angles. And essentially all they're doing is cutting out the costume changes and the intermissions that you get a few times each concert. So being right around three hours, I look forward to all of you Swifties being in the theater with us for Killers of the Flower Moon next week. Um, you'll be welcomed with open arms. If you would like to get like a nice little guide of a... Uh, I'm not even going to say what to watch next, but uh, enjoy another three-hour movie. Why not? You just did it with Taylor Swift. Come do it for Martin Scorsese and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. So, the Eras Tour is certainly worth the time if you're a massive fan. If you're not a massive fan of Taylor Swift, I think you'll come away feeling impressed by it, but I did find myself in a lot of moments being like, oh my gosh, I've got like two more hours left and I'm not super invested in this performance. Um, And that's just me. I still do think that the movie is a great experience and really worth people's time. Um, 
What I'm sitting at right now is right amount an A minus suite. Um, Taylor Swift really has uh, an incredible voice, and I stumbled upon albums of hers that I had never heard of. That as I'm hearing these little snippets during the different eras, I was really digging because how the film works is you know in the concert I would assume this is what it's like. She comes out and does it like a little medley of songs from all her different albums. And then she presents each era. Now, in the films, she didn't do them in order. Like, it wasn't presented in order. I don't know if she went from Fearless to, I guess, Midnight's is her most recent release. I don't know if she did that um, or if it was kind of out of sync with this one. But the medley gave you a nice little intro to kind of like your favorite songs by her, some good moments. And then it went right into Fearless um, and it hit each one of those until there was like a halfway point where she came out and she did a, she did like an acoustic version of some songs and then she finished off with the rest of her albums. So I'm, I'm impressed by it. I did find one album that I will talk about that I actually do think I'm going to go and listen to because I really, really enjoyed it. Um, And maybe it's the one you're thinking of. Maybe not. I don't know. But I'll start with Last Place, the one that I didn't really love. And I thought, uh, and that was Speak Now. Um, Speak Now felt very Barbie uh, CG film from the early, the you know the 2000s that we all liked but it certainly wasn't my favorite um i thought that, you know you got one or two songs there that i know that i enjoyed but for me i think a lot of it was the costuming was felt very i don't think cheap is it but just totally not my vibe so for now for me speak now is the segment of the era's tour movie that i liked the least Next one was number nine, and that is Evermore. Apparently, so as I was watching it, I would chat with my buddy Santiago to be like, this is what I'm thinking. These are my thoughts. And he would kind of chime in because he's a massive Taylor Swift fan. And um, I said, yeah, Evermore, uh, this is kind of lame. I I don't really get it. She came out in kind of this like longer dress and like a little like cloak, and it felt... To be really honest, it it felt like I would imagine what it's like to go to that evermore LARPing place in Utah. Uh, It's like a fantasy realm. And I know that Evermore attempted to sue Taylor Swift over the title of the album, uh, to no avail, of course. But it did kind of give me slightly corny vibes. There was like one song that I kind of dug with it, and I was kind of enjoying it. But for the most part, Evermore, I, I was not loving but then honestly from here, like most of the segments from here, I was, I really enjoyed. And so at number eight, I have Reputation. Reputation, some fun songs, uh, kind of a different flow for her is what it seemed. Like I remember when this album came out was it was kind of like the, oh, she's trying something different, which is cool. Like I think you want your artists to try new things and see what works well. And I can definitely tell that from these different albums as they kind of have different sounds to them. So Reputation was number eight. Some cool costuming. Um, I like how the stage act as like rising platforms for her and her dancers. I thought that was really cool. And the intro to Reputation was this big kind of um, augmented reality, like snake looking thing coming out of the stage. So I thought that was pretty cool. Next, this was not one of the eras, but this was her acoustic session. Um, At number seven for me, the acoustic stuff was good, but 
I don't know. It, it wasn't necessarily something that spoke out to me that really stuck with me. It was just a nice section to be there in. And um, a lot of this, I also do think that I based off the wardrobe. And some of these I do. F Reputation had a pretty good wardrobe. I actually really like that one. Um, acoustic, though, was kind of like a long red dress. And it was fine. Um, but one thing that I noticed about the film compared to, you know, I went and saw the Renaissance tour from Beyonce is Beyonce's like entertainment and showmanship is off the charts. Like Taylor Swift is a really good singer and a great like songwriter. I mean, her own sense and in her own lane, but Beyonce is just like a totally different thing. And so I kind of expected this to be a little bit more outlandish like Beyonce's and it wasn't, um, not to say it was a negative for Taylor Swift, but tempering my expectations did help in that sense. So the acoustic thing was cute. It was fun. Um, the next one is, I think her newest album for Midnight's. That for me is number six. Some good songs, good wardrobe. I liked, I liked kind of the 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 costume change in it. Um, some good songs from it. But overall, I, I I guess this is kind of like your this a little bit mid. I I didn't didn't totally love it. But now we're going to number five, which I was really liking. I liked the costume for this one. This one might have actually been my favorite costume from it. Uh, there's one other coming up that might have been my favorite, but this one was a really good one, and that is Fearless. And I actually do think that Fearless is maybe my favorite song from her. Um, as I'm re-listening to these songs, being like, oh, I've heard that on the radio. I know that song. Um, it was cool to be like, oh, okay, I like kind of I really dig that song that that one might be one of my favorites so fearless was like a nice cute throwback to start off the night um some good classic songs not a super long one uh but very good still um okay and then we go into again this was not one of the eras but this one for me at number four was just the beginning medley of songs the best costume of the night, I thought. She puts on a cool little, like, sequins jacket. Has a cool, like, sequins dress going on, too. So, I thought that uh, the beginning segment before she gets into the arrows was really effective. And um, there's, like, a cool... I think it's, like, If I Were a Man, name of the song. Which, not to compare the two, but If I Were a Boy by Beyonce is the superior version of a, of a gender-swapped idealization of what that life would be like. Just just making a commentary. Still a pretty good song, though. Um, so that one was number four for me. I think it was a great way to start off the show. And it really did show that Taylor Swift is pretty engaging with her fans. Like, it didn't feel like she had a written response to things. She felt very organic as the few moments she was interacting with people. I did kind of wish, though, that there would have been, like, more shots of the audience in it. Uh, there were some, but I do think it could have been fun to get, like, just a touch more of audience interaction. I always love seeing, uh, the audience up on the stage when they're on there, so, uh, you know, that, that's a, that's a little note for you, Taylor, and your team next time. If you need a producer to come on board, uh, I, I would love to come up. So, that is number four, be the beginning aspect. Number three is, this was the album, um, that I feel like I maybe knew the most songs from, and uh, that is Red. Now, Red, I remember, if I remember right, this is the album that has like, we are never, ever, ever getting back together. It's that, that song is from that. 
I was working at Little Caesars at the time when this came on. And there was this girl that me and her, we had kind of been seeing each other. And then it, it faded away. And I walked into work. And she just so happened to be working with one of her friends. And I went to check my schedule. And as I walk in, I hear them screaming this song and saying, and screamed my name, Kamiko, we are never getting back together. And I was like, oh, shoot. I like tucked into like a little nook. And I hid until the song had kind of ended. And then I walked up to show that I was getting my, uh, that I was getting my, my new schedule, but that's kind of the, one of the earliest memories maybe that I have with Taylor Swift and her albums, so Red was good, but there was the, the, that song, it's like a 10 minute long song, oh my gosh, this is gonna drive me crazy, and I'm sure there's like 20 of you right now, 30, 40, 50, 1,000 of you right now, screaming what the name of this song is, is it All Too Well? I think it's All Too Well is the name of the song. Let's see. Uh, maybe? I'm going to play it, but I'm not going to play it on here so we don't get DMC'd. No, that's five minutes. I don't know. There was some, like, ten-minute-long version of a song, and I was like, oh, oh, that is All Too Well. Okay, yeah, ten-minute-long version. Um, I actually really like that. When she said that I'm going to sing a song that's ten minutes long, are you ready? I kind of was like, oh, jeez. Um, but then she sang it and I was like, oh, like, I really like this. I think like the storytelling in her songs are, was very engaging. I liked it a lot. So for me, Red, a lot of bangers on that one. Good album, um, but maybe not as good as these other two. So we're getting to the top ones and I might be saying your favorites and I get the sense that Taylor Swift is a little bit like the Scream movies are for me where like, you could say any one of the six screen movies is your favorite, and I maybe wouldn't totally, like, bat an eye. You know, there are some that are better than others, but I wouldn't hate on you for liking one more than the other. So, at number two, I have, um, my top two are the albums that she won Album of the Year for. Um, I also didn't know this, too, until my buddy told me. Uh, but number two is 1989. Uh, fun little outfit. Oh, going back to Red. Sorry, I didn't comment about the, uh, the outfit. The outfit for Red... I actually thought was pretty whack, except for the shoes. I thought the shoes that she wore, it looked like they might have been like custom Chanel kind of loafer shoes, and I really dug them. I thought those were the best shoes of the whole night, like kind of by far. So red, not a great outfit, but great shoe, st great shoe choice. And then 1989, so that's my number two. Um, like pro I think it's what she ended it on too. Really great songs, very well known pop songs. Some bangers on that one um but you know maybe nothing uh but I'm not gonna say nothing like yeah a lot of great moments in this part and it kind of leads you into the end of the movie and it's probably the right one that she ended it on too um good wardrobe uh cool little wardrobe change that I liked if I remember right um this was the one where she oh no that was midnight's midnight she might have ended it with oh for gonna <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, anyways, 1989, great uh, great set list, um, good songs, funny dancing, all sorts of stuff. I liked it. Also, as a side note, Taylor Swift, I really commend you for, like, dancing might not be your strong suit. We all know that. But you put your t together some good choreography that you could hit during the songs, and I, I really appreciated that. So, 1989 for me is number two. My number one, like, this really was, like, really hit me, um, like, these songs, I thought all these songs were incredible, I'm gonna go listen to this album probably tonight, I'm recording on Sunday night, but, uh, and that is 
folklore. I did not expect, I actually probably had forgotten or didn't even realize that this was an album, but Folklore was really amazing. She does, she sings on the top of a roof of this kind of like asymmetrical cabin, and then she goes down into the cabin and sings on it, and she's got these great songs that she sings that feel very emotional and well-written and have good stories to them. So that one for me felt the most cinematic. Like, the set pieces for that one were really good. Um... And I am really excited to go listen to the whole album because, you know, I don't know if I became like a massive Taylor Swift fan from this. I definitely, you're definitely going to walk away respecting her more, but I did walk away being like, oh shoot, am I a folklore girly? Like, is that what I want to listen to? And maybe it is. I actually think it might be. I was really digging. Um, uh, uh, she sang a song in the very beginning that I liked, and then she sang a song called Cardigan and some song talking about Betty. And I liked all of those. I thought those were really good songs. So uh, I was very excited to listen to that. That rounds out my ranking of the Eras Tour segments. I guess you'd say there's kind of 10 segments. So to recap is... Worst to best is Speak Now, Evermore, Reputation, the Acoustic segment, Midnight's Fearless, the Beginning segment, Red, 1989, and Folklore. So, if you have not seen Taylor Swift's The The Era Tour concert movie, um, you should go see it. It's an A-minus suite. Might I also recommend to all of you Swifties, because... You know, a lot of us uh, Beyonce fans, we saw that they were holding hands. Uh, I always, I, I told Becky it felt like that that gif of the members of the Bloods and the Crips like tying their bandanas together. That's kind of what it felt like. Um, Beyonce showed up to the Taylor Swift concert tour film premiere. So I invite you, come watch the Renaissance tour film it's gonna be great i think it comes out in december and i will be there it's gonna be really fun um i loved that show it was one of the most incredible and visually striking shows that i had seen so uh taylor swift the next time you tour maybe i might be more familiar and maybe just do a folklore only tour if you do i'm gonna try to get like the closest row tickets that i can because i really liked that so there you go everyone Those are two reviews, When Evil Lurks, and then a very opposite dynamic in the Eras Tour film review, Uh, both at an A-. I have When Evil Lurks more like an A- sour, and then um, Taylor Swift at an A- sweet. Check those out. Next week, I don't know what it's going to be, but we're going to figure out something cool for it, and then the week after is Killers of the Flower Moon. So, ever get ready. Marty is back movies are back this is my most anticipated movie of the year and as always please stay so sweet sweet